0: Welcome to
1: Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen.
0: And I'm James Marriott. Coming up on this week's show with our friends at Low six and Taito Law. Well, that's a bit more like it. Unbeaten week, two clean sheets. Uh, we'll hear from Gary Monk a little bit later on. Um, Dom, to start with, so QPR was, for me, a game of stats. And, uh, the best one, and this is possibly my favorite stats of the season so far, um, Sheffield Wednesday have now won more times at Loftus Road in 2020 than they have at Hillsborough. Um, so, um, our second victory at, um, QPR. And, uh, the, the other interesting stat, of course, was just how little possession Wednesday had to claim such a, Comprehensive victory. What was it? Seventy-five percent possession, or something like that, for for QPR. Um, but it was an absolute masterclass on the day and in counter-attacking football.
1: The only stat that matters, James, is QPR 0, Sheffield Wednesday three. And frankly, it should have been more emphatic <laughs> than that, with the amount of chances Wednesday created. Josh Windass could have walked, and as he said, should have probably walked away of the match ball. He missed about four or five chances on his own. But, yeah, tactically, the way Gary Monk approached that, set the team up, he got it absolutely spot on. We've given him criticism at times this season, um, quite rightly, um, this year a lot for uh, the results not being there and the way the team have gone backwards but yeah on Saturday it has to be said against pretty dreadful opposition Wednesday went there with a game plan executed it to a tee uh, and yeah great away win really good away day Um, and that was more like it.
0: Uh, we we actually joked about this, that we say every week, is it time for Alex Hunt to get his first start? And we joked saying the one week that we don't say, it, will there be the week that he does get his first start? And that's exactly what happened. So he started both games this week, of course. Um, we'll no doubt talk about him in a, a bit. But what, so what was it? I mean, what, can you put your finger on what it was against QPR that just meant that it worked because there were a couple of changes. Um, it's not as if it was just kind of like, oh, you know, the team have played a few games together and it's clicked and it's fallen into place. Uh, and it was just so much different and so much better than the last few games that we've had to sit through. So what uh, have you been able to figure out what it, what it was? Is it just that QPR were just a bit rubbish?
1: A number of factors for me, James. Uh, yeah, QPR were awful on the day Uh, and so Wednesday played them at a good time they still had to go there and do a job on them and when I look at the performance the team that day Tom Lees in the last two matches it's no coincidence for me that Wednesday have kept back to back clean sheets I do feel as if Tom Lees uh, is the best he's performed in a long time and considering how little training he'd done in the build up to QPR his experience is now, I called for it on the podcast last week uh, and uh, I feel fully vindicated for putting Tom Lees forward. Uh, and it was, yeah, him alongside Dominic Ior for Julian Burner. The early goal, James, I thought was huge. It really was. That um, laid the foundation then for Wednesday to be able to play on the counter-attack they just look a team that look more suited to playing away from home right now. They really do. Um, and they they knew that QPR were going to dominate the ball and they were quite happy letting them have possession, knowing full well that the selection of Josh Windass and Alessio De Cruz, I think that was Alessio De Cruz's best match in a Wednesday shirt. I think few people would disagree um, with that. And he was actually unlucky to come off. I think it was really only maybe tiredness, but he ran them ragged. Uh, and some of uh, yeah, his runs in behind, creating the space there for Josh Windass, the way they linked up. Um, there were so many encouraging performances all the way through. Alex Hunt was neat and tidy on the ball. I think what we saw from the two matches, I know we'll come to this a little bit later, was uh, Alex, what he can bring to this team the youth, the energy, that great technical ability um, to almost be a bit like a mini Barry Bannon. But he's 20. We shouldn't expect too much too soon from him. And we saw, I think, against Huddersfield that right now it's maybe a bit too much to ask him to play at a high, consistent level two matches in a row in space of, say, four days. And I, I, I thought, actually, he was very quiet against Huddersfield um, without giving the ball away. He didn't really... I thought the game bypassed him a lot. and um, So maybe that was perhaps a lesson for Gary Monk in that, again, he's got to drip-feed Alex Hunt in and out of the team. But coming back to specifically QPR, really strong performance. Uh, and it was, it was a clean sheet, James. Matters so much, I think, really. That's yeah. where Wednesday have let themselves down big time this year. Uh, They've been conceding too many soft, sloppy goals. So defensively, that was the improvement we needed to see against a QPR team who've got good attacking players. So for Wednesday to limit them to one shot on target in the whole game, yeah, complete credit to them.
0: It, it was a really assured performance as well, wasn't it? Like defensively, we actually looked quite quite solid. Brilliant to see Dominic Iorfa get on the um, score sheet. It was early on, actually. You know, we could have we could have had a couple of goals before that that point. And obviously, in the build up to it, um, it was uh, was it Luongo that hit the post, and then Dominic Iorfa. That's a striker's finish that from Dominic Iorfa. That he struck that ball home very comfortably, didn't he?
1: Certainly did. Uh, second goal of the season. I think the first came away at Middlesbrough. That, that feels a long, long time ago now. Oh. Uh, and yeah, it was, a, it was a big one really, fire off. I'm sure it would have been strange. He, he, um, he spoke to um, our radio colleagues after the game. Um, but yeah, his dad used to play for QPR uh, many years ago. So uh, I, I'm sure that it would have been one of those where it maybe would have made more to him scoring on that ground had you actually had fans there and everything. But still, you could. I loved, I loved the reaction. I pointed out on social media on Sunday, Jake. I loved the passion and the reaction from De Cruz and offer after that goal. And so, the next time people turn around and say these Wednesday players, oh, they don't care, you know, they're not bothered, they're not playing with any pride. Well. I'll point them in the direction of that and it shows that there is togetherness there. There is some spirit and backbone to these players and we needed to see a response after Preston. And boy, did we get one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you mentioned De Cruz earlier. I mean, uh, Alessio De Cruz and Josh Windas is not necessarily, if you kind of look at the options that we've, got, and, and actually you know, if you kind of go back through the season, the options we've had at various points, they're not a couple of players that you'd have thought, oh yeah, play those two together, that'll work. It it felt, you know, you kind of look at the the team sheet beforehand and think that feels a bit um, kind of cobbled together. It, w- it seemed like kind of like the odd couple um, in uh, attack, but it, it worked and they actually fed off each other really well. I mean, as you said earlier, Josh Windass um, had... Uh, several really good chances. I mean, uh, Hattrick, he probably could have had even more than than that, really, couldn't he? He could have scored several on the on the day. Um, and Alessio de Cruz probably unlucky not to get a goal as well. It was, you know, overall, those two really did create proper clear-cut chances.
1: They did, yeah. Let's face it, James, I don't think them as a pairing, it wouldn't have happened if all the players had stayed to the end of the season. If Stephen Fletcher and Fernando Forestieri, were there, I don't think actually that Josh Windass... So it just shows you really, doesn't it, that it's funny how things work out in football. That Yeah, I don't think Josh Windass and Alessio De Cruz would have actually been together or would have been partnered at any stage this season um, had it not been for circumstances being the way they are. But yeah, they ran QPR ragged. Uh, and actually, I think it's got it's got to be pointed out. I know we're probably going to come to Jacob Murphy's goal very surely, but yeah, Monk's decision then to play Murphy and swap him and De Cruz uh, was again great. And you saw that Murphy's awareness, ability on the ball, he set up a couple of great openings for Josh Windass and then his goal was outstanding um, and really underlined the confidence that Jacob Murphy is playing with right now and has done for the majority of this year. He's looked a different player, a different animal, different proposition and he's actually getting back for me maybe towards the level that persuaded Newcastle to pay, what was it, £11, £12 million. Um, So, yeah, yeah, Jacob Murphy, the job actually that Gary Monk has done to get the best out of him, I think that's where Gary Monk also deserves a a big pat on the back, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We are very much seeing the best, aren't we, of Jacob Murphy right now, and he looks dangerous every time he's got the, the ball and there's a hunger and a desire about him. Like, you know, he... It's kind of as if he sort of feels like he's in the shop window or something. He's really kind of he's really turned it on um, since, um, well, I guess all year, but certainly since the end of um, of the lockdown break. Um, We'll we'll talk about his goal in a second. Another player that I just wanted to touch on who's who's obviously played the last two games, having not really had the best of seasons, Moses Odubajo. So he obviously comes in in um, one of those wing back positions. I don't know what you think. I mean, I've given him absolute pelters this season and I think quite deservedly, but um, looks a different player when he's playing in that wing-back position. You know, coming forward, there's an incredibly good player there. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he he carved out some real chances at, at, at QPR. Um, we'll get on to Huddersfield, but, um, you know, probably the closest Wednesday came to scoring was Moses Odabaggio against um, Huddersfield. And he just looks... Um, almost as if there's just more confidence playing in that wing-back role. What what have you made to him?
1: Well, people have called for him to be given a run in that position and quite a few Wednesday fans and people out there have said that, well, that's, I think, where he's tailor-made to play. And I think the evidence from the last two matches would would certainly back that up. And, yeah, they have been two confident and assured performances – and, and what it boils down to for me, James, with Moses Odabaggio is we all know the abilities got going forward. That's not actually up for much debate as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's the defensive side and it's the concentration levels haven't been there this season, hence the amount of penalties that he's given away and, and the poor decision-making that we have seen yeah, from time, yeah, quite, you know, too, too much for our liking, really. But yeah, I I think that um, Moses Odebagio has done himself a power of good, but the challenge now is is consistency, like with all of them, but particularly I think for Moses, that if he wants to nail down that position, as there is Liam Palmer still to come back, then he needs to carry on playing at that level.
0: Let's talk about um, the Jacob Murphy goal then. Um, and I mean, this was this was something special because it was one of those, and I feel like there's been a few goals this season where I've said this, but he's in a position where you think he's got no real right to get a shot on target from there, and especially not to score a goal like that. And my first thought when it went in is how gutted I was not to be in that away end at Loftus Road right behind that because that would have looked spectacular if you were right behind that shot. It was just one of those pearls that just nestles so beautifully in the top corner.
1: It was. Kevin Phillips on Quest described that goal really well from the striker perspective of where Jacob Murphy has used the defender as a shield to then bend it into the top corner. The, no goalkeeper would have kept that out. And Jacob Murphy's got seven goals, I think in the last four matches, two goals and assists, he is a crucial player for Wednesday right now. And uh, he is the one that has, has become the main man and that's stepped up for, you know, Stephen Fletcher since he departed. And, and just as well, really, that he has done. Um, and, and so, yeah, Gary Monk, maybe I think a little bit, um, was forced into he couldn't play Murphy from the start after the knock that he picked up against Preston uh, but it worked out perfectly didn't it as an impact sub for that last half an hour he, he, Gary Monk literally his instructions to Jacob Murphy were go on we'll tune him up cause havoc that's what he did
0: of course, then he gets the start against um, Huddersfield playing in that kind of more striker role, kind of down the middle, which we've not seen him play very much all this um, season. Weird game, this one, wasn't it? Because there, there were chances, but it did feel like, you know, if you had to label it something, you'd call it a bit of a bore, nil-nil draw. Ultimately, it wasn't a classic. Two teams that just kind of cancelled each other out. Um possibly still be playing now and and wouldn't um, score. Um, what I mean, that was the perspective, um, half asleep watching it. What was the perspective from the press box?
1: Two tired-looking teams is, is how it sort of came across to me, yeah. really, that after uh, a gruelling period, it was one of those where Huddersfield, with their game plan, it, it almost suggested that they want, you know, the minimum they wanted was a point. They, they, they came and packed midfield in numbers and made life as difficult as they possibly could for Wednesday. Saying all that, uh, you mentioned it earlier, Odebagio, um tested the goalkeeper, had that chance in the first half. And there was another moment where the decision-making from Odebagio where he should have gone on and had a shot and he's trying to, I think, square it to Jacob Murphy. Didn't work out, and then right on the stroke of half time, if Kadeem Harris, if that shot goes in, that is a world of a save from Jonas Lossel. Uh, that's a huge moment, uh, and if that had gone in, then Huddersfield would have had to have committed more bodies forward, in, and it would have really played into Wednesday's hands. The draw was a fair result in the end. Huddersfield could have snatched it, if you think about it, later on, really, with the chances that they had Carl and Grant firing wide. And that was a glaring miss, I think, from Fraser Campbell right at the death. So, all in all, I think Wednesday, back-to-back clean sheets for Joe Wildsmith. You'd have to say it's two points dropped when you look at the fall that Huddersfield had been in and, and the lack of goals that they've got at the moment. But you probably would have taken four points from these two matches, in all honesty, after three defeats in a row for Wednesday. Uh, and I suppose the only other thing I'd want to say is it was a bit of a surprise to me, and it is easy to say with hindsight, of course, I do appreciate that, that Gary Monk only made the one change. I wasn't surprised that Jacob Murphy came in. I was a little bit that Alessio de Cruz was left out. I thought Alessio de Cruz, he, he'd taken him off with half an hour to go at QPR. I thought to try and keep him fresh for Huddersfield. And Alessio de Cruz, I thought was quite bright when he came on against Huddersfield. But I would have personally stuck with de Cruz and Windass and then maybe moved Murphy to wing back, which is where he's played. But then you would have taken out Odobajo. But yeah, maybe midfield, Alex Hunt, like I said, I thought it passed him by a lot of the match. Maybe he could have come out. Joey Pelipessi, I thought did okay. Thought he actually did all right. Had one of his better games when he came on, breaking up play and sort of solidifying midfield. Uh, yeah. But I could, but I mean, I could understand why Monk played Murphy up front. He was trying to expose and exploit that lack of pace that Huddersfield have at centre half. Of that, you know, that are in and Stearman. So I think he went for the extra mobility, but. I I pointed this out as well, that it is pretty telling to me that we have not seen Jordan Rhodes at all in the last three matches and that Gary Monk would rather play a guy who's been playing out as a wing-back or out wide, he'd rather play him up front than actually give Jordan Rhodes, who should be very fresh, raring to go, and and also playing against his former club. I might add. Ro- and it, to not even turn to Jordan Rhodes, pretty telling, really, uh, uh, with an eye on maybe next season. We, we've
0: seen this, haven't we, where Jordan Rhodes has had kind of like a run of two or three games in the in the team. And then... Uh, the kind of the default is Monk just doesn't seem to either favour him or doesn't seem to rate him, um, and then that's kind of it. You know, he gets, he gets his little run and then he's kind of whipped out again. You know, it happened, didn't it? When when he he scored the the goals down at, um, at Forest and kind of played that little run of games and then dropped out the team again, and it looked for a while like that might be it. That he you know he wasn't even getting on the bench, was he? It looked like he'd gone the way of. You know, some of the other players this season, in terms of just being completely cut out, and then I think circumstances probably more than anything mean he's been back in the team a bit, and then back out again. It's really hard to see a scenario now where you think Gary Monk will be making plans to build his team around Jordan Rhodes being number one striker next season, which by default is the situation that we will be in because we haven't got any others. So, um, you, you, it, it, I, I really wonder. I know there's still a year to go there, like. Jordan Rose, Sheffield Wednesday career kind of feels like it's done, doesn't it?
1: Well, no, I wouldn't agree with that, James, because the fact is it comes back to the point that we've made time and time again. He's the only striker that's contracted for next year. and So unless Wednesday got a taker for him in the summer, um, he's on a big, big wage, as we know, at Wednesday. Trying to shift him might not be very straightforward. That's if that's what Gary Monk wants to do. But in the short term, with Wednesday's lack of options and firepower that they're going to have moving forward, they may have to, whether it's by choice or not, stick with Jordan Rhodes for certainly the short term. But yeah, I, I would say right now that it's clear to me that I think if Gary Monk were to bring in two or three strikers in the summer, should he decide to keep Atty New Year and offer him a new contract, we'll have to wait and see on that, then I think that it may, it may be that Wednesday will look to move on Jordan Road. Yeah, that, that the signs are pointing to that. But we have been here before and he's still a Sheffield Wednesday player.
0: I, I get what you're saying. I think from my point of view, I would I maybe better describe it as it's quite clear that he's not part of Gary Monk's plans there is that possible scenario whereby he has to be because there might not be any other options. But uh, I, I'd I'd be surprised if I'm going to say August. and I know it won't be, but come August, first game of next season, we're lining up with Jordan Rhodes as uh, as our striker. I, I I kind of get that very. Distinct, very clear feeling that Gary Monk's going to do his absolute best, I think, to move him on and um, bring in some fresh blood. But we'll see what happens on um, on that score. Um, m- most significant thing for me out of these two games, I mean, four valuable points, uh, but two clean sheets for a team that's just been just letting in goals left, right and centre. The confidence that the defence takes from that. I mean, we've only got two games left but we don't know how quick the turnaround is going to be in the summer, to be fair. To keep two clean sheets in a week is, like, psychologically, that must do so, so much good for those players whose confidence will have just taken a beating. I mean, Joe Wildsmith, who we said last week, he's not particularly done anything drastically wrong while he's been in the net, but his record in terms of goals he's conceded has been really, really bad, hasn't it? So that will do him the world of good.
1: Yeah, it will. And I'm really pleased for Joe um, he's not really been overworked in, in any of the games since the restart. That will do his confidence, I think, a, a you know, power of good. Um, and he'll be looking to finish the season strongly. And you're right. I mean, the, the big positive is the is the clean sheets as that's where Wednesday, when they were riding high third at Christmas, um, as we've discussed in the past, they built really the success on that was from being tight at the back and occasionally yeah they blow Middlesbrough or Forest away but it was really keeping clean sheets and, and and being hard to break down and Wednesday sort of went away from that in that new year period and when you know the wheels really came off the season so I'm delighted about that i am going to turn a bit doom house and i'm afraid though James the home form is a big worry for me and the stats I do not make good reading whatsoever. One win in the last 11 now, in six of them, they haven't scored. It is like we have gone back to the Stuart Gray days of 18 goals, the lowest in the championship. Um, It's it's amazing the complete contrast between the home and the away form, where the highest, joint highest scorers with Brentford, on the road but at home yeah that's what Gary Monk he's got to turn that around next season he has to um, if, if Wednesday are going to do anything in the championship yeah where, where, you know, they have to start yeah. scoring more goals uh, and getting back to winning regularly at home
0: It's baffling, isn't it? It really is. Just such a strange, strange phenomenon, particularly when there's no fans there as well. It's just very, very odd. Uh, Right, let's hear from the boss then. And uh, here is Gary Monk.
2: From the inside, there's been a lot of positivity within throughout this whole period. We were disappointed with that. A little run of of losses, which we felt we didn't deserve. But... um, I think I've seen it. Yeah, so I said to you, I've seen a difference in them. I think there was no getting down about it. Or you know, maybe before the break, you know, certain losses would dishearten the squad a little bit more. Um, maybe confidence was a little bit more knocked um, before this period. But I think since we've come back, there's been a much yeah stronger within atmosphere and positivity. So no, I, I, that's not going to be affected by these last two games. I can't see that. Um, obviously, we want to finish with good results. But even in that small run of, of losses that we had in this period, I think there was no loss of positivity and stuff like that. So in terms of maintaining that, it's not going to be a problem at all. Um, as I said, there's a kind of a different attitude towards the group right now and, and try and keep back to the end of the season. And then, as I said, is to improve that throughout the summer with the transition and, and with the players that are moving forward here and, and, um, and yeah, try and put that strength and that mentality and that fresh sort of approach and feeling going into next season.
1: What are your thoughts on teams being able to make five substitutions in a match next season as well?
2: Yeah, I think it is what it is. I don't, I've not really had a major thought on that. I think, from our perspective, I think it helps us in this period. I think with the smaller squad that we have, I think you know, being able to do that has, has helped us. I think more often than not, with the, with the subs that have come on in in out, games has helped us you know they've had an effect um so i think that helps us but um, moving forward i can understand why that decision's been made you know it's not going to change too much you know it's a short turnaround quicker preparation again i think i'm sure that it will return back to free at some point um i can see why they've made that decision for you know the short-term view anyway for now for into next season so um yeah i think you can all we can all talk about the negative and positives of that you know I think one week, if you're able to do that and it helps you win the game, you'll be positive about it. And then the next week, if a team's able to bring on you know, five quality and it hurts you, I think then we'll be moaning about it. That's just going to be the way it is. But I think I can understand why that decision's been made right now. But I think it will eventually return back to, to the free subs.
1: With the transfer window, again, the extended period there, are you happy with that in terms of, I think it's 10 weeks now, it's going to be a bit longer than usual, does that benefit you guys?
2: I I think we'll see, we'll have to just wait and see, won't we? We won't know until we're in it um, whether that extra time helps us or it it hinders us, you know. Of course, there's there's the thought in the back of your head where it's never nice starting a season and then a window's still open and you know, you're going a month into the season and there can, you know, there can be speculation about your players and, you know, I've had it before where, you know, we're going into a season and the transfer window's still open and you're there hoping that everything's committed, everything's laid down, here we go, we're ready to go. And some of your players are being told certain things by outside influences and their concentration is not there, their head's not quite with it and it's, it's hard, you know, you don't, that's the, that's the bit that you don't want, that's the bit that that thing, you know, that window being open. That longer period allows which is very difficult you know and of course that only allows really the probably the financially most powerful clubs or the ones that are able to do those things who can you know come in at any last minute sort of thing and and take one of your best players and you have no time to react you know That which is the most difficult bit about it. but we won't really know until until we're in it it might help us in terms of you know recruitment side of it um, having a little bit more time but. I think ideally, yeah, you want to start the league season with it. Everyone's concentrated, committed, everyone knows. So that's the only worry with with the window going, going more open, you know, as the season starts or into the season, which is, yeah, I've had that before. It's it's difficult, you know.
0: So as we said earlier on, um, only two games of the season to go and then we can, in theory, put this absolute nightmare, disaster of a season Behind us. So here we find ourselves in a situation where, right now, you look at the league table and you say mathematically, Sheffield Wednesday after the win at QPR are now safe from any threat of relegation as we all know uh, this is not a normal scenario this is not a normal season this is not a normal game of football anymore um so we really kind of don't really know what the situation is and could well be finishing the season in fact it's looking all the more likely we'll be finishing the season without really knowing what the um situation is so what could be two kind of just you know boring end of season meaningless games against Fulham who are probably going to be out of the picture for automatic promotion by Saturday if they're not already. I've not looked at the table enough to figure out whether they are or aren't. Um, And um, then a game against Middlesbrough, possibly Collins' last managerial game, although I think there's been a few of those before, um, actually become games that Wednesday could really do with winning.
1: Yes, and Fulham... It doesn't really come too much tougher in this league uh, for me than facing Fulham. When you look at the attacking quality they've got, uh, it's immense. You know, some of those players that are on their bench, you would have to say would walk into Wednesday's team right now. When you reel off the names of Mitrovic, Knockart, Cavalero, Reed um it's yeah there's there's some really good players uh, in there and Wednesday they're going to be I think up against it at times and they're also coming up against a few former owls as well when you look at Michael Hector at the back yep and Josh Onu in midfield who by all accounts has done really well for them this season and there's, uh he's you know he's chipped in with a few goals of late so uh, yeah, Wednesday. They haven't done... I mean, I've seen Wednesday win a couple of times at Fulham. And um, so I, I don't know, really. It's about what Wednesday team turns up. <laughs> it's the classic, isn't it? The Jack on Hyde of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, if Wednesday do... If, if they perform at the level that we know they're capable of, the, there's no reason why they can't get a positive result for me, James. But yeah, the, the defence, it's going to be the acid test of the real sort of improvement that we've seen. It's, it's all very well doing it against two teams in the bottom half at QPR and Huddersfield. It's quite another trying to keep out the team that are fourth in the league, five unbeaten with four wins, and have got the firepower that Fulham have. And, and like you said, it's it's a big one still for Wednesday, as uh, right now as we're recording, we still have uh, very much in the dark as to what's happening with the FL charge and the potential ramifications of that. And so Gary Monk's message of he wants to finish with two wins and to stay unbeaten. It's uh, as you were in the Wednesday, need to pick up as many points as they possibly can from the final two matches.
0: Of course, Middlesbrough um, are are, are very much not safe from uh, the threat of going down themselves, Um, although I guess they'll be looking at events elsewhere and uh, obviously what's happening with... Wigan and whether or not they're going to get the point deduction and stuff like that starts to come into play a bit I think for Middlesbrough and obviously what's happening with, um, with us but it could well be that we're going to that game where they need a win to um, secure themselves mathematically and we could do with a win to better protect ourselves from anything else that's um, that's going to come so that could end up being a little bit of a uh, a kind of a final day humding of that at Hillsborough, which probably means it'll be nil-nil doesn't it?
1: Don't don't say it, James. We I I would love nothing more than for us to be able to put our feet up, enjoy facing Middlesbrough and Cohen for once won't be getting dogs abuse from the Wednesday fans. I think he actually secretly and privately, he'd probably miss that. He'd be disappointed. He will, yeah. He's not gonna have his tin hat on for it. Uh, But we don't want it being a last-day decider or anything like that where Wednesday need a result. That's the the ultimate nightmare. Middlesbrough, they're virtually safe. They're not going to, I don't think, have anything to play for. When you factor in that Wigan's points deduction and the teams at the bottom there in Hull getting stuffed the other day, Huddersfield, Charlton, Birmingham, I think there's too many teams really uh, beneath Middlesbrough in the table. So I think they've already got a four or five-point cushion on the bottom three. they They're not, So they're, they'd be safe, I would have thought. It'd probably be all over for them by the time they play Wednesday. So that might assist Wednesday. But then we know Neil Warnock and what he's like. And I, I can't imagine that um, he'd be doing Wednesday any favours next week, especially if there is something riding on that fixture.
0: I'm just looking at the table now to see whether or not, as we record this, Barnsley are playing at at Leeds, um, just to see whether or not Barnsley could end up being relegated tonight. But by the looks of it, that's not the case. It's really tight down there, isn't there, with quite a few teams that are all really kind of bunched up together. So, um, yeah, interesting to see what kind of... um, Uh, what plays out of the weekend. So we know what the situation is going to be, but I think you're right in terms of it's unlikely to be um, a game that Borough are going to need certainly a win from in order to secure safety, but it's been a topsy-turvy season. So who knows? Um, All right. So, and then that'll be it. And after that, I think we, we should be allowed to put this season in a box and bury it at the bottom of the garden and never think about it, speak of it, have to reflect on it ever again. Obviously, that's probably not going to be the case for um, various different sort of um, reasons, but um, it will It will be nice to finally get to the end of this season, won't it?
1: It will. Um, yeah, it has felt long and it's been quite painful and it's been pretty turbulent uh, at times. We And we have seen the good, the bad and the downright ugly of Sheffield Wednesday this season uh, to use a bit of a cliche, but yeah, let's, let's hope that Wednesday they can finish strong. And we, we have seen signs. I would suggest, I would say since the resumption of the season, that there is a blueprint there or that we, that gradually Gary Monk is beginning to stamp his mark on the team. But, Of course, the summer, the transfer window. We now know when the transfer window will be opening and how long it's going to be open for. And I would suggest that this transfer window is one of the biggest in Sheffield Wednesday's recent history. And hopefully, Mm -hmm. they're going to be planning for championship football, not League One football.
0: I'm literally crossing my fingers as we... um as we speak um one other story that's been knocking around this week is uh the first bit of transfer gossip so Wednesday linked with uh, a guy from uh, Man City do you have a Dom House and pronunciation guide for us at this stage Dom uh
1: I, I don't really I'm gonna give it a crack because you chicken out of it then um it's Fizeu Delhi Bashiru uh, is I believe how that's how you pronounce it. Uh, but yeah, sounds, um,
0: sounds right to me.
1: It, yeah, it's it sort of emerging uh, about just under a week ago now that Wednesday they've held uh, talks with Man City to sign the midfielder. Uh, he's 19. He's played, I think, mean, four, yeah, four times at senior level and a lot of under-23s football. He's a box-to-box midfielder. I think that's what Wednesday will be getting if they get the deal done and over the line. It, it's important to stress at this point, it, it's not done. Uh, but, yeah, Gary Monk very rarely um, says anything to do with transfers until they are concrete or, the, or, or until they are done. But even Gary Monk confirmed that talks have taken place with Man City in signing him. So, yeah, Wednesday, I think, a very helpful... Um, and there will be a fee involved of some description uh, too because he's still got another year left to run on his Man City contract. But he's someone that, yeah, City, but, uh, he, he comes with a, a bit of a reputation. I think this is a coup for Wednesday. I know that there were several clubs interested in him. And so what should Wednesday bring him aboard? I think it's exactly the type of player and fits the profile that Gary Monk is looking for in that young, hungry dynamic. Um, And I think he'd bring, actually, for his age, he'd bring a bit of physicality to Wednesday's midfield. And we've been crying out for that for some time, James. So, uh, yeah, um, fingers crossed Wednesday, get that one sorted. I, I know from speaking to people at the club, I think they're quietly confident that it's going to go through and it will happen. And it will get confirmed in the future, and yeah, he would represent Gary Monk's first permanent transfer since taking over wow. Wednesday, when, as, as well. When you think about it, and so far he's only been able to bring three loan players in, so yeah, um, I, I'm quite excited really about that one. And, yeah. and uh, sort of just watch this space right now for when that um, is done and dusted.
0: All good stuff. Excited is a good way of um, <clears throat> of describing that. I think I'd agree with uh, with that, and um, it's nice to have an opportunity to think a little bit about the future actually and think oh he's a player that's going to be part of our future because we've got so many that have been around that are ultimately part of our past so uh, yep yeah, that's a real, um, real positive real uh, and on that note that's going to wrap us up for this week you can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott or contact the show at Dom and James thank you to our gold partners title law who you can find at title and low six sports betting reborn thank you for joining us if you like singing the blues please rate and review the show in your podcast app up the owls and see you next week